Hello, hello, and welcome to the Matrunity Podcast, where we're chatting all things mom. Hi guys, welcome back. We are doing our first, I guess, not really solo episode, but um, but it's just me and Megan, and we're going to be talking about play-based learning today. But first, we want to do a little segment every time we do a podcast that's just us, where Megan tells us her funny story from this week about her kids. So, turning it over to you, Megan. Okay, so this week I'm sharing um, what we call my parents and Jake's parents. Um, There's a lot of different things that you call, like, your kids' grandparents, you know, like grandma and grandpa, or, or like, oma, or papa, or lots of things like that. But Tell has taken his favorite uncle. I don't know if it's really his favorite, but I'm going to assume because of this. And he calls them like that parent. So for example, my brother Ben, he loves so much. So my parents are Ben's mom and Ben's dad. And then Jake's brother Luke is apparently his favorite because Jake's parents are Luke's mom and Luke's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Which will come in handy for probably us referencing things and other stories down the road. All right, so getting into play-based learning, Megan, tell us what this is. So play-based learning is just basically the idea that kids learn through play. And we're talking specifically kids zero to eight. Um, So that's about like third grade and younger. And um, really the main way that they are learning is through play. And that counts for all kinds of like cognitive, physical, social, emotional learning all happens There's um, a quote that often is thrown around in the early childhood world, which is, play is a work of children. And that's really just so true. Um, Like how if you're trying to learn something, you'll go in and study it and you'll read things about it. You'll watch videos, go really in depth learning about it. That's what children are doing when they're playing. It might just look like just having fun, having a good time, but really they're learning deep core principles and they're just learning about their world about themselves and yeah so it's super important so when you talk about children playing I think it's easy when you like you see kids running around outside and you're like oh yeah they're playing but what about like kids that can't walk and stuff like what counts as like play that would be learning for them so play is anything that the child is directing basically their idea so if you're like here put this shape here like it's not necessarily play something that the child is directing something that they're enjoying and something that they are focused on so really play can look like so many things but the idea is that it's coming from within the child and not from within the parent so i guess let's go into difference about because i think it's easy to entertain a child when they're playing outside and get them to like do stuff but what about like how does this work with inside versus outside playing like is there any difference (laughs) um no not really like they it's just different types of things that you're learning and you can honestly learn a lot of similar lessons inside or outside for example one thing that kids at around between like two and three years old they are learning to climb If you have had a two or three year old, you know you cannot keep them off things because just like their, I don't know exactly how it works, their biology just tells them you need to learn how to climb. And so they are going to climb no matter what. They have to learn how to climb, right? And so um, that's something that can be learned inside and outside. 
you know, outside you can be like climbing on playgrounds, you can be climbing on like, trees, climbing on rocks, all sorts of things like that inside depending on if you have appropriate things for them to climb on or not. You know, they can be climbing on toys, beds, couches, bookshelves. Like, they're going to be learning how to climb at that time. And so there's just kind of different... And I guess, like, the difference kind of would be what materials they're climbing on. Um, They're going to be learning different lessons about. Like, if you're climbing on a rock, you're going to be learning about, like, kind of grip and that kind of a texture, right? If you're climbing on a couch, you're going to be learning about... Uh, more balance because it's like soft and stuff um and so it's just good to have a variety of opportunities for the different kinds of learnings and that's why it's good to go outside and inside makes sense so you talked about play is basically anything that comes from like inside the child like it's child directed how do you go about getting kids to learn specific things that you know they need to learn but like through play like, how do you direct that if it's supposed to be, like, a child-directed activity? No, I see what you're saying. Um, so I would say um, to kind of just offer a lot of opportunities for them to learn, I think. For example, let's take learning colors, for example. Um, if you want them to learn the colors, maybe it's not the best to sit down with a flashcard and just quiz them till they know that. Even though flashcards can be helpful, like, that's not, like, the first thing you'd want to do, but... Um, you just would want to encourage them to do that with whatever they're doing. So let's say they're playing horses or something with their toy horses. You point out, oh, look, this is your red horse. Let's get your black horse. Which one is your black horse again? And just try and incorporate that as they are playing, asking those questions. Or when you're eating, you could be like, I'm putting this orange carrot in my mouth. Um, just pointing out a lot of times can help them be aware of it. And then they'll start to notice and for example, Tell, he is learning colors right now and he loves yellow. So he like just looks around and he finds anything that's yellow. All right. And so then it's, it becomes child directed once they know to look for that. It's kind of just um, using, talking about it within the bounds of their life. Let's maybe talk about the elements of um, what's meaningful play because not every play is created equal. Um, there's play that teaches maybe just kind of like one thing or just very surface like kind of play but then there's also play that is like deep and meaningful and the things that make it deep and meaningful is that it's open-ended that the children the child is making their own decisions um it's that they could they can go anywhere with it right they could be pretending to be on a spaceship they could be here cooking in the kitchen it's just totally open-ended the next point is that it, they are intrinsically motivated um, again this play is when they want to do it they are motivated to do it they're not being forced to do it by a parent or by someone else this helps them learn self this helps them learn self-control because they want to play with friends and fulfill their needs for play more than they want things to go their own way. So when your child is playing with friends, sometimes, you know, they'll have one friend that's like, no, you have to be the mom and I am being the baby, even though the one kid wants to be the baby, you know, and that's how they kind of learn self-control or one of the ways because then they're like, well, I'd rather play with you and be the mom than get my way being the baby. And the next point is that they become totally immersed in the moment. You know, when kids are playing, like, they have no idea what else is happening in the world. Their, their play becomes their reality in that moment. 
um, this creates a risk-free environment for trying things. Um, if they if they are the mom in the game, they get to try to make whatever they want, you know? Because as they see you as the mom and you bring out, I don't know, green beans, you know? And, like, you get to bring out whatever food you want. So then they, as the mom, get to bring out whatever food they want and the family gets to eat it. You know, they get to try all sorts of things. They get to try driving a car in their imaginary game. They get to try making decisions, being different characters, and it's totally risk-free because it's play, but they're totally immersed in it, and so it's like reality for them, if that makes sense. Um, the next point is that it's spontaneous and not scripted. Play just happens, and that's when it gets really meaningful is because that's when kind of and again, I don't really know how to describe it other than kind of their biology. They, they just kind of know what they need. They know that they need to learn this. They know that they are trying to figure out this. And so they're going to play like that. And lastly, that it's enjoyable. If they're not having fun, it's not going to be as meaningful. It's not going to help them learn the things that they need to as much because it's going to be forced and miserable. As with most things in life, if you're not having fun, you're probably not going to... Um, if you're not having fun, you're probably not absorbing the information that you're learning as much. Um, one way that parents can support this type of play is by playing with them and letting the child lead when you play with them. Let them um, be spontaneous, let them take the risks, learn those things. Um, and then also, like I was saying, earlier about with when I gave my example of colors is inserting things that they might not know because as with the examples with colors like they don't know to look for colors they don't have the vocabulary for colors and so that's where you can insert um, your own knowledge of things the time to insert that is not an imaginary plate when your kid comes out and says I made this cake out of you know, out of can, out of Easter eggs and peeps, and it's gonna be our healthy food for dinner. You, that's not the time to be like, no, actually, Easter candy isn't very healthy for you, or a cake can't be made out of that. Like, that's the time to let them lead. But the time that you can insert your knowledge is when you're adding something like that, or being like asking a question to help them think about something, adding vocabulary to their play, adding concepts that. They're like you could, they are, there's no way a child would think of gravity. So if they fall, you'd be like, hmm, for some reason we always go down to the earth. Um, those kind of things can make the play much more meaningful when you are down on a level playing with them. So how does that work for like the younger age of kids? Like a baby's like before they can talk, it's not really like you're adding vocabulary into it. Like how do you, I guess, assist in play for like babies? Okay, so actually, vocabulary would say be the number one, I would say. Okay. So right now, Colt is, he's five months old at the time of this recording, and he, he can't even quite, quite crawl yet, but he's just learning to roll over. That's about where he's at right now. And so being down there and being like, like he has no words at all. So just talking, being like, oh, you're working so hard. Oh, you rolled over. You went from your stomach to your back. Do you want to see this toy? It's blue. Uh, we're watching tell. He's jumping off the couch. Just giving so much vocabulary to their world is probably the number one way you can be engaged in play with them. 
And then I'd also say kind of like with their physical learning, um, kind of just giving them opportunities to explore what their body can do. For example, when they're learning to roll, you could like help them by leaning them up against your legs so that they're already halfway there so then they can figure out, oh, this is what it feels like to roll. And then they'll be able to get it or um, just like different, giving them different situations that they can manipulate their body in different ways to figure out how, what they're, tr like what it feels like to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges to like play right now is like the video game, technology, electronics, things like that. I think you see a lot of kids that are glued to their parents' phones. How do you, I mean, obviously for like the littlest age range, this probably isn't as much of an issue. I doubt your babies are like addicted to your phone already. But how do you go about encouraging play when you have kids that are just really into video games? I mean, obviously the easiest thing is to just never start. Um, kids really do have a good imagination. Allow them to be bored. Allow them to do that. Um, so if you're at a stage that you have little kids and that hasn't happened, like just you're going to have to sit in some uncomfort. Your child's going to have to sit in some uncomfort. You're going to have to let them be bored and figure things out. One thing that we do is we don't do movies in the car. And we've gone on several road trips, Tells now too, and like he has no problem. Like we can easily drive to St. George with no movie. We just have some snacks and some toys and we look out the window and things like that. So like just really not starting with that and allowing kind of that uncomfortableness to happen. Um, but if you're already there, this is a hard one. I don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, I guess my tips would be to try and provide um, an environment that play is enticing, right? So that there's not too much clutter. There's like kind of a clean area to play with some toys that are really engaging for their age. Toys or you, maybe for older kids like coloring books or whatever your kid might really like. And then you be there um, engaged with them because honestly... Every kid wants the attention of their parents. So to like be, make a more desirable offer, you be there totally engaged in what they're doing. And you don't always have to be fully invested in everything that your child is playing. But if you're trying to help them play something other than video games, that's a time that you'd want to like get rid of all distractions and you just fully be there, talk to them, immerse yourself in play with them. That would be my tips. So is there any way you could use some of the things you're talking about earlier as far as like being a parent engaged in play with like electronics and video games in order to make those games more meaningful? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. If it's not, so obviously like if it's a problem, you'd want to do something more to the extreme, but if you're feeling like it's not a problem and, um, you're, you know, you're watching a movie together, you're playing, your kid's playing a video game or whatever, um talking about it, you know, and helping make connections so that it's real, if that makes sense, you know, so that they understand what's happening. Like, we watched Lion King the other day and talking like, oh, this might be really scary right here, but um, like, it's okay, it's just fake. We're going to just keep watching and hear what the story has, like what's going to happen in this story. Or um, he feels really sad right now because his dad died, huh? Like, you'd feel really sad if your dad died too. I wonder what he's going to do about it. And kind of trying to make it not just like this mindless watching, but make it meaningful in some way um, is probably my biggest tip.
So another reason that play is important besides learning is also that it reduces stress and anxiety. It's really healthy for your child, both physically and emotionally, to have play. And both solo play and playing with peers is super important to get a well-rounded experience for your child um, because different types of play serve different purposes. And um, so going along with that, there's also different levels of play that your child will progress through. And we're not going to go in super depth into them, but for example, they kind of like have solitary play where they kind of just play on their own at first and then they start playing the same game side by side that's parallel play and then they eventually get to where they can actually play games with each other where they're both having parts and they're playing for the same objective. And so as they kind of progress through those, that's um, helping them learn the things that they're needing to learn at that time. But it's also important to have different kinds of play where they can have, um, you know, just like pure like imagination play or they can play like kind of with toys or be outside or playing with a parent. Just kind of changing up the environment of the play is really important because it teaches them different things. Um, so it's really important to make time for play because of this. You just have to have a lot of play to learn a lot of things. You have to have a lot of play in a lot of different situations in a lot of different environments. Um, because even playing like the same game in different places has different things. You know, you could be playing carpet farming. That's what we're kind of into right now also is um, playing with our little cows and pens. And playing that on the carpet versus on the hardwood floor totally teaches them different things. You don't even think about like the little things that your child is learning right now, but he's learning about how the animals stick in the carpet or how they slide on the hardwood floor. Things that you you obviously learned at some point, but you don't even think about. So really just making time for your child to play, making time to play with your child is super important. So there's kind of three different areas of learning that your child is developing at this time, which are cognitive, physical, and social, emotional. So cognitive is um, the things that they're kind of learning are problem solving, vocabulary, language and literacy, all the things that's happening in their brains, like how things interact in the world, how maybe grass feels different than dirt, or when they run with tennis shoes on versus boots on, it feels different on their feet. Just these kind of things that just get logged away in their brain of, I know how the world works. And then physical is things like balance, coordination, strength, and just ha like figuring out their body. Um, this starts from the second they're born. You know, they come out with these reflexes that turn into um, being able to be controlled. For example, the rooting reflex. You know, they come out knowing to root, but pretty soon that turns into them knowing, like, I'm hungry, I'm going to look for food. Um, and they're just going to always be working on that. Their bodies are growing so fast right now. They're just constantly, like every day they're learning something new about their body, you know? And so it's really important to give them chances um, to really build those skills. Um, and then last is social emotional, which is just like playing together, managing emotions, anything that is about how they feel, about how they interact within the world. Um, and this comes into play with playing with other children, it's really important that you get chances for your child to play with other kids. Um, I'm actually a really big proponent of being home with your kids, and 
I think that you can teach them everything they need to at home. You don't have to send them to a preschool, but if you aren't sending them to a preschool, that's probably the biggest thing that they're missing out on is the peer interaction. And so if you're at home, it's really important to get out and play with other kids because there's so much that they can learn with their peers that there's no other way that they could learn. Not with you, not with siblings. They just, they really need that. And then also just like the emotional part of that, you can really help by even just like naming their emotions. Like they come into this world not having any idea what they're feeling. Um, so sometimes, you know, if their sibling takes their toy, you know, they feel something and they don't understand it. So they start to hit and scream and bite and they're just, they don't know what's happening. And so helping them learn A, how to calm down, how to um, kind of get some self-control, and then B, helping them name, you know, you feel angry, you feel frustrated. When she took that toy, you felt something inside that said, hey, that's mine, I want it back. And helping them know that feeling those things isn't bad, they just need to learn how to control their emotions within social situations. And that's why these are so intertwined, is because they really stem from the same things. Um, And... Social situations often bring up emotional situations Um, because if you were just kind of catered to all the time, if it's just you and your parent, you're not going to have a lot of situations that you would with peers where two people's needs are needing met. And so those kind of three areas are what your child is really learning and they need to be well balanced in all those things and play is really how they... um, can meet those needs. So one last thing that I want to talk about before we wrap this episode up is you have two kids. One of them's two and the other one's five months. Okay. So they're obviously at very different levels of what they're playing with. How do you get siblings and like your kids to interact well together when like play, as far as play goes, when they're kind of at two very different stages? So to be honest, it's not really something I'd worry about until they're a little bit older. Tell is just barely in the stage of play called parallel play. He's, he's all, well, he'll be three at the end of the summer, so in a few months. He's two and a half. He's just in parallel play where he's playing all on his own, but he can play, um, for example, he, when he plays with his friends, he'll be playing tractors. He's digging, he's dumping. His friend is right by him digging and dumping, but their games don't have anything to do with each other, but they're, that's parallel play, right? And so, um... That, and that's as much as you can really expect. They're not going to have deeper things than that. So once they get a little bit older, though, that's when they can start to play together. Right now, really, kind of they're doing their own thing anyways. And they can be in the same room. They can be around each other. And, I mean, you're going to be interacting because you're in a family, you know. But other than that, I really wouldn't worry too much about it. Once they get a little bit older in the, like four to eight range, um, kind of just giving them chances to to play together. Once they start being able to actually play together, um, they're going to be making games together. It'll just, it'll just come spontaneously if you're fostering kind of relationships where they can and just not getting in the middle of it because there's probably going to be fights and try and let them work it out as much as possible um, and just step in when you need to help give them all the tools they need to play happily together and work together and then let them kind of figure it out would be what I have to say. But really, I wouldn't worry about it when they're too little because they're just not developmentally ready to play the same game. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. 
I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We have a lot more content about play and learning and outdoor play and stuff like that on our blog and on our Instagram page. Um, so you can check those out. They'll be in the description below this podcast. Um, and so you go and check us out on our blog and follow us on Instagram to see more content. And we'll also let you know when new episodes are out. And so you can find us on both of those platforms. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.